This is the DAC Baseball Audio Learning Center with your host, Brady Vollmering. Hey everybody and welcome to the DAC Baseball Audio Learning Center. This podcast is for the hungry. And let me tell you, this weekend I went home, saw my nephew, I was feeding him some watermelon. Tell you what, he is hungry. But today I have a special guest for you today. Uh, we have Kyle Herrick here. Kyle, say hello to the audience. How y'all doing? So Kyle's from Iowa. I don't know if you can tell, but uh, so to start, I just want you to talk about kind of your story, where you grew up, uh, your relationship with baseball from like a young age, and then where that took you. Yeah. So I grew up actually in South Florida. Lived there for the first 14 years of my life. So, I mean, year-round, we were playing baseball in my backyard, and it was a good time. That's probably where I fell in love with the sport. You know, I'd go out back and play a pretend baseball. I'd, I'd be batting one through nine and hitting tanks every time up. But I uh, ended up moving up to, up to Iowa for my freshman year of high school and uh, stayed there throughout high school in uh yeah, so I mean, I, I had some decent success in uh, in high school. I was a all state my senior year as a utility player and uh, PO now. Yeah, I'll, yeah, <laughs> I used to be able to swing it, but uh, as far as like my skill set for the next level, I wasn't uh, all that advanced. Uh, my senior year, I was probably low to mid eights and. I ended up only uh, having one scholarship offer, and that was to a JUCO, which I ended up accepting because I knew I wanted uh, a couple more years to develop because I believed there was more in there. Played at that JUCO for a year, and then ended up signing with Alabama A&M, uh, D1 down south. Played there for a year, battled some injuries, and then I transferred up to Cornerstone University where I played the last two years of my career. And then I, following graduation, I signed with the Utica Unicorns in the United Shores Professional Baseball League. Best name out there. Yeah. Cool. Um, it's funny you say, like, growing up, everyone's got a different story. I know, like, ever since I was, like, six years old, I would just be in the basement throwing tennis balls against the wall for literally like eight hours a day annoying everyone around me. <laughs> so it's just funny how everyone has a different story. But uh, so what you said, I mean, so what did your development look like? Like when you when you went to your JUCO, you said you're like low eights, mid eights, right? Yep. So like how did it, how did your skill set progress from there and what helped you do that? Yeah, so part of it was ironing out some pretty major mechanical flaws um, that my coach down there Rich Greif helped me out with. Okay. And then that was one aspect, and then the other aspect was just getting stronger. It was a small town in Iowa, so there wasn't much else to do besides lift. Yeah. So you'd, you'd spend most of your free time in the weight room, so I got quite a bit stronger, and uh, I was up to roughly, I was, I was upper eights in the fall of my sophomore year there. And then you went to the D1, correct? Yep. And you said you had arm issues there, so what what did that look like like what brought that about yeah so I had some real bad tendonitis in my elbow that flared up 
and that was a result of a couple of things but uh, it was probably it was mostly lack of mobility in my shoulder so pull out of stress on my elbow right and then I got used quite a bit so my first week there I started three games well the first week of the spring season I started three games through through 100 pitches on uh, opening weekend Saturday then we were playing number 22 lane on that Tuesday so I begged my coach to let me start that and he, he gave in so threw another 100 pitches on Tuesday and then I got turned around and started again on Sunday so I threw 300 in-game pitches in a week and then I was, sounds like you're from Japan yeah I wasn't wasn't able to uh, really throw too much after that so I got shut down and uh, wasn't really quite the same yeah for the rest of that year and I think there's a couple lessons in there I mean one for player one for coach so if you're a player like I think it's important real important to be competitive like that like you want to throw every single game that you can but at the same time understand like long-term development type stuff and I know like in an earlier podcast I talked about owning your stuff and this is part of it so like if you threw 100 pitches on Monday when was it Monday you said Saturday Saturday then you had another game on Tuesday Tuesday <laughs> so like maybe you come in for an any to a relief but start another game just like try to educate yourself for you younger guys out there really try to educate yourself so that if you do have a coach that is pushing you to do that or even that will allow you to do that and I'm not saying anything bad about his college coach like that happened stuff happens just try to educate yourself so you can better handle yourself and know what's going on um, and then for coaches like obviously I think those are the guys that you want to have but at the same time sometimes you have to reel them in and like use them the right way um, so you said I mean obviously like what was it, like a month and a half ago you signed with Utica yeah so can you kind of talk us through that experience well let's start with this when you're younger what was your perception of professional baseball like what did you think it was yeah and stuff like that yeah so growing up I I had this perception that if I made it to a D1 basically every D1 player went straight to professional baseball yeah I think that's every 12 year old in the country yeah so I mean I achieved that dream of playing D1 baseball but to be honest the D1 hype is overrated like uh, for you guys out there looking for a school I, a lot of people say it now, but I can attest to it that you need to find somewhere that you fit best. I, I developed more at a NAI and tapped into more of my potential than uh, I would have probably anywhere else in the country. So you just got to find somewhere that fits uh, where you need to be. Right. Um, so, yeah, and then I, I kind of figured, like, I, I mean, that was basically uh, the gist of my understanding was you play D1, you get signed, and then you grind out in the minor leagues and eventually end up in the big leagues. So you knew the minor leagues would be tough, yeah. basically, yeah. yeah. So talk us through then what it was like, I mean, signing. So I was at the tryout with you, but kind of talk about your mindset going into the tryout, how that went, and mm -hmm. then what happened after that up until your first game. Yeah, so I, following my, my senior season, had uh, about at a... college. Yeah, yep. in college. I had a about a month, a little more, uh, to prepare for my tryout with the USPBL. So took a little bit of time off to give my arm a little time to recover and then got back into kind of get my body ready to go to that tryout. Uh, and that was basically the same stuff I had been doing 
Right, just uh, kind of maintain years prior. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, then went to the tryout, had a pretty good day. I was sitting like 90, 91, touching 92, with some pretty good two seam movement. Yeah, his two seam cutter was dirty, but yeah. And then uh, ended up getting signed at the end of that. Um, so. I funny story. I packed three pairs of clothes for the tryout, <laughs> and then they're like, "Yeah, uh, you actually have to report tomorrow." So I was—it's like a three-hour drive from where I was living at the time. So I was living off three pairs of clothes for about a week until I could make it back. But so signed the day of the tryout, reported the next day, uh, got a physical, and then like so three days after the tryout, I made my first appearance. And I came in like the eighth inning in a two-run ball game. Uh, got two strikeouts. Went pretty well. Clean inning. And then should I just expand on what happened after that? Yeah. Yeah. I just wanna. So this is just a side note, but talk. What about your physical? I know you'd been drinking some uh, salt water. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I I'd messed around with increasing my salt intake. Um, see what would happen as an alternative to creatine. And I went in for my physical for the the league or whatever, and my blood pressure was pretty elevated, so <laughs> they were a little concerned about that. Yeah, had to back off of that. Yeah, so, so I think salt water can definitely be good, but we j we definitely need to like better monitor. Yeah, um, how that I works. probably went a little bit too extreme. I was yeah, getting like sure. thirteen servings a day, and so <laughs> maybe cut that in half. Yeah, but so yeah, after your first outing went pretty well, uh, kind of talk us through. What happened after that? Yeah, so first outing went well, and then my following three or four outings were awful. I uh, I couldn't locate my fastball to save my life, and uh, I mean I was yeah it just just wasn't good. So and when you're only coming in for an inning at a time, your stats get elevated pretty quickly. Yeah, and uh, and do you feel like anything specific led to that, or like what? Was that just like a mechanical thing, or? Yeah, it was. So I've I've always struggled with my glove side and keeping a strong glove side instead of kind of pulling off. And I started pulling off when I was struggling and uh, didn't address it quick enough. So it kind of uh, lingered for a while and led to me struggling for those couple of weeks. And then I finally was able to address it, and my. Next, well, ended up being my last outing went well. I picked up a save in a one-run ball game, but it was just a little bit too late, and a little too too little too late, I should say. And uh, got released two days later, so I'm back now. <laughs> <laughs> so you're there for about a month. About a month, yeah. Yeah, and I know, I mean, did other guys there have the same experience or not? I mean, obviously not all of them did, but just like as far as getting released. Yeah, like what's the because I know you said that a lot of guys have been in affiliated ball. Yeah. Um. So, like, it's pretty cutthroat, right? Oh, um, indie ball especially. Yeah. Um. I mean, you, you don't, you sign a contract, but nothing's guaranteed. Right. We had. You said there's like four weeks or something. Yeah. You like get like yeah. a four week period where they can't cut you, but uh, after that, I mean, they they just turn through guys like you wouldn't believe and. Uh, they have no real commitment to you, so there's no reason for them not to do that, I should say. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, in the time I was there, I probably saw a handful of guys get released just in that month. 
Right. And I think, so I think that's important for like younger guys to hear or even guys in college. Um, and this goes into the perspective piece. But if there's a day where you're like, oh, I don't really want to be here, like I don't really want to do this, I think it's important to remind yourself that like the game doesn't care if you want to be there or if you want to do it. Like if you're not good enough, you're not going to be able to play the game at the next level. And a lot of times that's not real enough for guys because they get so far away from it and they get so so caught up in their own like day-to-day -day activity they're like oh this happened today that happened today like I don't feel like training and it's important to like just see examples hear examples of like no it's real like pro ball is very cutthroat if you're not a top prospect like you have very little shot um so if you're not putting everything you have in every single day like you have no shot so I think it's just important to remind people of that um to kind of keep them on the right path but uh so yeah now you're in your off season. Um, what's kind of like your goal moving forward? What are you going to focus on this off season? Yeah, so moving forward, I want to try and throw a hundred uh, on record. Throw a hundred, and then uh, I want work. What, what specifically are you gonna? Yeah, yeah, I got you. Yeah. Uh, so mechanically, there's a few things I need to address in order to be able to throw a hundred, <laughs> and <laughs> um. So working through those, Brady and I've kind of got a plan moving forward about how we're going to address those things. And then another thing I need to work on is uh, getting more explosive, applying force more quickly because um, I've put up some pretty big numbers in the weight room. Yeah, so just to give you guys some perspective on that. So his, his eval <laughs> was literally probably the worst that I've ever done, like as far as his mobility and stuff. Which is, I mean, because he so he does his mobility work, but we need to try to figure out something a little bit different. But the reason I say that is because his eval is literally the worst I've ever seen, but he still throws, I think he's the hardest thrower of, what, 93, okay. <laughs> he's the hardest thrower of anyone that I'm working with right now. Uh, there's a guy that's close. He's had two labrums and two knee surgeries. Um, so he's close, but anyways, the point is, he moves terribly and still throws pretty hard. So like, I don't think getting up to 100 is necessarily unrealistic. Um, and then also to put some perspective on the strength stuff, he's uh, reverse lunged 405 twice. <laughs> twice. Um, so like, not many people have done that. So now it's just a matter of turning that, getting him a little bit more mobile. So that he has more, basically, uh, he has more room to apply force or more time to apply force. And then also being able to apply that force quickly. So he's like, obviously got the strength there. Um, if you can reverse lunge 405, you're strong enough to throw 100. But uh, so it's just a matter of like figuring out how to apply that quickly. And so something that we're going to do is we're looking into getting a Tendo unit. And I know like a lot of guys have that, and I'm pretty excited about getting that just to work on that rate of force development. But uh, is there anything else that you're kind of yeah. looking at, or um, did I mention the pitch design stuff? No, no. Yeah, so I, there's a I want to work on or mess around with some pitch design stuff with Brady this off season. Um, I have a a cutter and a slider, but they kind of turn into the same pitch sometimes call them, a, call them the slutter <laughs> so work on getting a little differentiation between the two 
make, throw my cutter a little harder, slider a little softer, and then get better at tunneling pitches. Um, and then uh, that's, that's yeah, the main focus. It. And then just try to program it so you're basically optimized that, I mean, for spring training because he'll be heading back, or at least the plan is right now to head back for spring training. Um, so one last question, I guess. I mean, that's pretty much everything that I think we wanted to cover. But uh, one last question for any younger guys listening. What advice would you give eight-year-old Kyle? Eight-year-old. Eight-year-old Kyle. Is there, is there a difference between eight-year-old and 15-year-old Kyle? No. Um, so if I was eight going back, I would – if I was eight going back, I would – try and groove better movement patterns from the beginning because I'm kind of playing catch up now as Brady talked about. Uh, There's a meathead. Don't, yeah, don't, I don't move all that well. It's gotten better in the last yeah, couple years, yep. but still not where I, it needs to be. So groove better movement patterns from a young age. And then um, this kind of applies to older guys, but just being more consistent and like everybody can have a great day every now and then, but it's repeating that consistently. And that if you want to play professional baseball, that's what you have to do to break in and stay there. And then you have to develop some kind of mental toughness, because um, when you're playing an uh, environment that is that cutthroat, you uh, your your mind has to be on your side. You can't. I mean, you 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 have to have thick skin to be able to deal with stuff like that. Yeah, and I know. I know you've done some like mental training type stuff. Do you want to go into that briefly? I know we were gonna close it up, but this just reminded me. Do you want to talk about like your stuff that you've read or stuff that you've implemented? Um, yeah. About that. So, to some like to the short version, kind of realized that the only time I was ever alone with my thoughts was when I was on the mound. I mean, you think about it. You're driving in the car. You got music playing. You're at home, you might turn on like a TV show, movie, you're working out, you have music, whatever whatever it is. So you're not really alone with your thoughts and then you step out on the mountain and that's the only time you are. So kind of addressing that and getting better at being alone with my thoughts and being better about the way I was thinking and uh, making that work for me instead of against me. And something else, well, something I implemented to help with that was I started meditating. Uh, I wrote an article on Brady's website that c talked about that and can go into yeah, more I can, depth. I can put a link in the show notes uh, for that. Yeah, so basically those th those are the biggest things, just kind of being better, being alone with your thoughts and being in control of your thoughts. Yeah, cool. Well, good stuff, Kyle. Hopefully you guys enjoyed it. Uh, maybe get them back a little bit later, but for now, that's all we got for you guys. So thanks for listening. Hey guys, wanted to take a minute to thank you for listening to the podcast. I truly appreciate it. Um, I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Kyle and you took something away from it. Uh, before you leave, I just ask if you enjoy this podcast, please give it a like, subscribe, leave a comment. I'd love to hear your feedback about what you thought and how this may have helped you. Um, and if you have recommendations for the future, Anything you guys have, I would really, truly appreciate. So thanks for listening, and see you guys next time. Thank you for joining this episode of the DAC Baseball Audio Learning Center.